Welcome to RBC Disruptors, our ongoing conversation about innovation and how we can reimagine Canada's economy in this time of unprecedented change. I'm your host, John Stackhouse. The COVID crisis has created intense challenges for everyone, Alberta especially. Its oil industry has lost billions. Unemployment is on its way to 25%, and the revenue that so many Canadians enjoy from taxes, royalties, and equalization payments is collapsing. Before this pandemic, Alberta's energy sector was already under the weather, hit by falling oil prices and a lack of pipeline capacity. Alberta is dealing with a triple threat. First of all, the pandemic itself. Secondly, the massive economic impact, the worldwide recession that it's created. And thirdly, the crisis in our largest industry, our oil and gas sector. But what we're seeing here is unprecedented. We just don't know what's going to be happening. It's hard in that kind of hurricane to think about opportunity, about growth, and about innovation. But that's exactly the sort of thinking that has served Alberta so well in other crises over the decades. The province is synonymous with resilience, and now's the time to show why. I can't think of two more dynamic leaders to talk about resilience than Alice Reimer and Marty Reed. Alice is a longtime leader in Alberta innovation and is currently heading the Calgary arm of the Creative Destruction Lab called CDL Rockies, whose mandate is to support massively scalable science and technology-based companies. Marty is a former Silicon Valley executive and investor who launched Evoke Innovations. It's a Vancouver-based VC firm co-founded by two of Canada's biggest oil companies, Synovus and Suncor, and the BC Cleantech Alliance. Their mission is to find and invest in transformative technologies, including ones that can change how we produce and consume energy. I love how their website defines the word evoke, to recreate imaginatively. That's the theme for today's conversation. So to state the obvious, it's a deeply challenging time in the energy sector. The pandemic and the global price war for oil has left the economy reeling. And for those focusing on recovery and how to best spend tens of billions of stimulus dollars, the national conversation continues to tilt to the mention of a green recovery, which for Alberta means it can't be business as usual. So the question we're asking today is, can the province turn this crisis into an opportunity? to help build a more sustainable global economy. Alice, you're at the heart of it in Calgary, and you've been engaged for years in Alberta's innovation debate. It's obvious this crisis is of a magnitude we've never seen before. So what does Alberta need to do to come out of this, not just in good shape, but stronger than ever? I think there's a, a few things that we just have to level set around, and which is we do need to transition from traditional oil and gas through to a low carbon future. I think there's a question of timing and how you do that, and how do we in Alberta participate in that energy transition? Marty, you come at this maybe from a more critical perspective. You're based in Vancouver, and your roots are more in Silicon Valley. What do you think we need to do to come out of this stronger? What we're talking about today is really about invention and creating entirely new business models. And that requires a different skill set, a different lens, a different culture. And I think that's the fundamental transition that needs to happen before we can see 
Calgary really embrace and start to accelerate into this new economy. I'm not implying we abandon our efforts to continue improving, again, the the core business. That has to happen. But in parallel, we've got to find a way to support invention models. And this really is the innovator's dilemma. As you're speaking, I'm thinking about the incredible work that has come out of COSIA. But that has largely been around improving current production. And they've done that, but it hasn't been invention in the spirit, Marty, that you're suggesting. How can we go at that? And I guess more fundamentally, can you do that from a a center that is so rooted in an established industry? I think for this to be successful, you have to create an environment where these new ideas and inventions don't succumb to the corporate antibodies that exist within most large companies. And so you have to create a separate standalone business unit headed up by a senior executive. It may even have to be a separate standalone company. And then you have to staff that that effort with folks. Some will need to come from the parent company, but a lot of them are going to have to come from outside. By definition, if we're trying to do something new, we don't want to staff that with folks that come from from that old world. I don't actually think that we can do this without actually looking at moving away from, let's call it continuous improvement. We still have to continue to do that. And But I actually think it is an imperative for us in Alberta to look at these new business models, to look at these new inventions. So walk us through how you would or how we should go about that. I think the other thing that that we need to do here locally is remember that we are not in a local race. We are in a global innovation race. This is not about us being the best in Canada. This is about us competing on a global scale. And I think sometimes, particularly when we get into crisis mode, we think, what do we do and how do and we retrench a little bit and i think that's the exact wrong approach and so what do we need to do we need to continue to build our presence on a global and a world stage we need to continue to bring innovators to Calgary. We need to continue to connect with folks who aren't aren't here. I mean, is exactly what we need to do and continue to do to drive this forward. Marty, it's hard to disagree with any of that, but when you step back, as you probably do and take a more global perspective, why are we not taking a more ambitious approach to global opportunities? I'll also offer a specific example of one of the things I think has to shift within the, the Calgary ecosystem is away from this mentality of a price taker on a commodity to a much deeper understanding of what the customer wants and needs. If, if we'd listen and talk to the customers, they're, they're telling us. You know, we have to think about how we deliver solutions to them. Increasingly these days, that is not in the form of simply, I'll buy your your biofuels because it happens to have a lower carbon index. I think the energy sector needs to do a better job of engaging directly with these end customers in crafting solutions for them. Alberta has definitely been in crisis before, and it's always found a way to build a better and stronger economy out of it. But it's never faced anything like this. A global pandemic that has decimated demand for its biggest export, a price war launched by foreign countries, and a growing movement to transform its production to help address climate change. A lot of us might look at those gale force winds and run for shelter. But as I spoke with Alice and Marty, it became clear that where others may see threats, they see opportunities. This really could be Alberta's moment and Canada's moment to create new technologies to help solve climate change, 
to help our best oil and gas producers transform what they do to become global leaders and to create a global center of talent and research for a post-COVID economy when we'll need more energy, including oil and gas, but we'll increasingly want that energy to help the whole economy become cleaner and more competitive. In the Canadian energy sector, Marty, how, how could we better lay down those markers so that a lot of the firms you're investing in or, or supporting and mentoring can have those, I don't know if you want to call them moonshots, but those big, those big goals to shoot for? There are two ways to come about this. So first off, we need more corporate leadership in this country where our largest companies are are making the types of proclamations that the Microsofts are, the Shells, the BPs that have said they're going to go to full carbon zero. And, and I want to see more of that. The other side of this coin is I think we as a country should start to look at where do we have a competitive advantage and, and start to put some emphasis and focus on those those areas. You know, and a couple just off the top of my head, we have abundant natural gas that we can decarbonize and, and use to produce hydrogen as one example. I think we have a global lead in carbon capture, storage utilization. I also think some of the fields around artificial intelligence and machine learning, in particular as it applies to industry, we've got some great leadership there. And so I'd be looking to double down on some of those fields in particular. Alice, how do you help people understand that we need to make investments today may not have a payoff for 10, 20 years? Great cities are built around great research universities. And so, you know, one of the things we need to do there is we need to continue to invest in attracting great talent, the best of the best, choose where we can be those leaders and make room for associate professors who are world leaders in their fields so that we can then continue to attract and grow that talent. It comes to what what I talk about, which is we have to start looking out the front window rather than driving through the rear view mirror. Because I think we have a lot of folks who continue to pine for the way things were rather than participating in what the future could be. And we do that because we're, we're looking a little too much in the rearview mirror. And so I think, you know, helping Calgarians and, and Albertans understand that, you know, we have the opportunities here. It could be about retraining. And there are now programs through both Calgary Economic Development and the universities that are, are really driving towards that talent transition, but talent attraction as well. And again, just an area we have to continue to double down on. In my mind, it is it is not optional. I want to make two comments, which is, I don't know that as a society, anyone has ever said, boy, in hindsight, I wish we spent less on education. And I'll also offer that, that there's a bit of a, a, a search attribute to education. And by that, I mean, when you go to your Google search bar and type in a query, All that really matters are the top three results. And while we have really good universities, my moonshot would be a globally recognized top 10 university on science and one on business school. And if we had that, it would be a game changer. I think there has to be a continued spend in post-secondary so that we can compete on a global stage. It is not good enough for us to be a top university in Canada. We need to have top universities in the world and compete on a global stage. Marty, you often come at these things from a free market perspective. How would you want to see those billions, whether you support the idea or not, funneled in a way that does not stifle entrepreneurialism or the power of the free market? I think it has to start with smart policy. You know, what do we want to accomplish over the long term? 
and make sure we're creating an environment whereby successful companies, solutions, technologies can emerge and thrive. We can look at markets like California that have been really at the forefront of policy and what that's done for the innovation sector. I also though think we have some quote shovel ready projects that we should be doubling down on. And you know, we talked about carbon capture and sequestration is one example. And you have not only carbon engineering, but you also have a company, Savante, that is equally ready to to scale and build full world-class plants. And right now, all of that work is being done in the U.S. And it would sure be nice to see some of that work being done here in Canada. But one of the things we tend to overlook as Canadians is the need and the power of private capital. I wonder, coming out of this crisis, Marty, how we can better attract and develop risk capital, and also match that with institutional capital? One, the importance of of immigration. In Silicon Valley would not be a quarter of what it is today if not for immigration. The second is we need bold statements, bold leaders aspiring for greatness and making claims that excite this next generation of talent that's, that's coming up. You know, the 25-year-old graduating from Stanford, you know, what gets them excited? And my view is nothing begets success like success. Alice, what do you think we need to do differently to attract the kind of private capital that we know brings along talent, but also generates the kind of returns that attracts even more investment? I will echo what Marty said. I think we have to demonstrate that we can take the companies, we can start the companies, we can get them funded here with private and institutional capital. I can also tell you that, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of wealth that's been created in the oil and gas business over the decades. You know, many of the folks who have created that wealth are interested in helping to start and create and invest in these early stage companies that will help towards diversification. And so I think there's an education there. The way you invested, for example, in, you know, an oil and gas, well, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, it's different than investing in, you know, a new technology or a disruptive business model. And there's a, an awareness and a a willingness to take on some of that additional risk. I'll also comment that entrepreneurs go to where the customers are and investors and capital go to where the entrepreneurs are. And so part of this is a corporate culture in Canada to largely be first in line to be second or maybe even third. And if we really want to drive some of this innovation and investment, some of the biggest and largest companies in Canada need to be more open to being first adopters. And that's across all sectors, energy, financial, healthcare, you name it. But that's a big driver. And a lot of the reason why we see some of our companies start here and move south is because that's where the customers are. And if instead we could have customers here, it has a profound impact on the entire ecosystem. Our CEO, Dave Mackay, gave a speech in Calgary a couple of years ago where he talked about the opportunity for Bow Valley to be the next Silicon Valley and that we need to make these investments in research, in entrepreneurs, and also in getting capital. But we also need a vision to know what we're shooting for five or 10 years down the road. And I wonder, Alice, what you think we can collectively get behind a vision for Calgary, Alberta, but also for Canada. We can sort of coalesce around a vision around the energy sector, not being oil and gas, but truly being an energy sector. And we can put the strategies and the leadership and the policies behind that and the policies where we incent innovators to bring their technologies forward to where the customers are, as Marty rightfully said, so that they can get funded and that we can demonstrate we can do it. I think we have a fighting chance. Marty, I wonder if you can give us a sense of what our moonshot might be for the 2020s? What can we achieve 
if we put our mind to it in this decade? My personal belief is we're going to see the emergence within a decade of a trillion dollar market cap energy as a services company. And think of this somewhat the transition that IBM went through where it went from selling mainframes and laptops to providing services. I think we're just at the beginning of this transition where energy companies today are selling molecules or electrons and in the future they will sell services to end customers and my measure of success would be i want to see a trillion dollar energy company and i want that to be based in calgary i feel nervously excited after speaking with alice and marty we can't underestimate the challenges facing alberta they're serious it's a grim time Equally, there is an entrepreneurial spirit in Calgary. You see it in the companies that they're investing in and the entrepreneurs they're mentoring to build a new economy, to build the great companies of tomorrow. They're going to create opportunities that we can't see. And often it's in crisis, as Marty said, where some of the best companies and some of the best technologies are developed. So if we get behind those entrepreneurs, if we get behind the researchers who are building technologies, They'll take us to new places. I thought there were five big takeaways from our conversation. Number one, Bow Valley can be the next Silicon Valley if there's a local ambition and national ambition to get behind a moonshot goal to transform the world of energy. Number two, higher education is vital to that goal. How can we all help ensure Calgary and Edmonton build not just great Canadian universities, but the world's top research schools in their fields. Number three, to become a global leader, we need to be clear about our competitive advantages and focus, focus, focus. We have a head start in fields like artificial intelligence, carbon sequestration, and hydrogen. How do we own the global podium in those areas? Number four, Canada needs to continue to strive to attract the best and brightest in those fields through an ambitious approach to immigration. It's not just about scientists and researchers either. Alberta will need more entrepreneurs and investors from around the world, and yes, from across the country. And number five, capital. Alberta will need a lot more capital to finance this ambition. Venture capital to take on the big risks that entrepreneurs love. Government capital for the infrastructure to build on. And institutional and corporate capital to take ideas to a global scale. It's time for our rapid fire segment. Fast questions, fast answers. Let's begin. What are you best known for? Probably being one of the tougher mentors in the CDL program. I would be known for my leadership and collaborative working style. A good part of COVID-19? Less time on planes and more time with the family. Spending time with my guys and being home every night for dinner. Worst part? Homeschooling three kids. Missing my team and working directly with my teams every day, uh, not live over Zoom instead. Biggest challenge you'd like to tackle in Alberta's oil industry? I don't want to call it an oil industry anymore. I want to call it an energy sector. I want to change the narrative. One thing you love most about Alberta? The unbelievable sense of community. Entrepreneurial spirit and just get it done. Dig in. Make it happen. What are you most looking forward to when this is all over? Getting back with my team and our companies. I, I really do miss seeing them every day. Traveling. Last one. In one word, what does the future look like? I'm certainly hopeful about the future. 
this is going to sound a bit uh, trite, but I think it's bright. Bright and hopeful. Great notes to end on. I want to thank you both genuinely for being part of the conversation and for all you're doing. It's been great to spend time with you. Really enjoyed it, John. And, and Alice, as always, great talking. Thank you both. It was a privilege to be here. Thank you for listening to RBC Disruptors, our ongoing conversation about innovation and how we can reimagine Canada's economy in this time of unprecedented change. I'm your host, John Stackhouse. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback. 